It's not always the big things that change the world. It's the small acts of kindness that happen repeatedly over a lifetime that make the world a better place. So every week we share a story of someone like you who is doing good in the world in their own way. Welcome to Doing Good with Carmen Herbert. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Doing Good. I'm your host, Carmen Herbert. And I'm so excited. I know I say this every time I start a podcast. I'm so excited to have this guest on today. But legitimately, I'm thrilled to have the incredible and beautiful and wonderful Lisa Valentine Clark Aww. on the podcast today. Lisa, thank you so much for agreeing to come on my little podcast. Do we thank get it? you so much for having me. I'm thrilled <laughs> to be here and to be talking with you. Well, I am so excited that you accepted and that you made time out of your incredibly busy schedule to talk to me today. So for those of you who don't know who Lisa is and you're crazy because she's so amazing, she graduated with a BS in English from Brigham Young University and performed with the sketch comedy improv troupe. Lisa, is it the Garens? Yeah, the Garens, back in the day. Back in the day, the Garens. That were really funny. big in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to, are there YouTubes of the Garens? Oh, so many VHS tapes that oh, have been digitized. Yeah. Oh, the VH digitized. And those always are just, you know, a little grainy and a little, yeah. you know, they're never quite. Yeah, and raw. Calm. Yeah, retro. That's awesome. And co-founded the theater as improv troupe, The Thrillionaires, which performs original improvised plays and musicals in a variety of genres. Lisa's done voiceover and acting work, producing and writing for the past 20 years, and most notably, Barbara Darrow in the feature Stalking Santa, producer, writer, and Carrie Carrington in Once I Was a Beehive, one of my most favorite shows, oh. the chat book's mom on the viral video and spokeswoman for the company, a regular on the TV show Show-Offs, producer and actor in Once I Was Engaged, another amazing film, and host of the podcast, The Lisa Show, which will relaunch February 8th on the BYU radio app. Lisa and her late husband, Dr. Christopher Clark, have five children. Lisa... Welcome to Doing Good again. <laughs> Thank you. So let's dive into your childhood. Really. Let's. Okay. <laughs> so tell me about Lisa as a young girl. Did you always love performing? Did you love being the center of attention? Or was it kind of the opposite? You were shy and quiet and didn't find really what you loved until later in life. Well, there's a famous story my mom loves to tell about how worried my dad and, and she were that I wasn't saying any words and I wasn't speaking until I was about two years old. And then no way. she said, I opened my mouth and started talking in sentences. And as my dad loves to add, and she never stopped talking. Oh. So <laughs> I don't remember that far back, but I do remember wanting to make my brothers and sisters laugh and my parents and just, I've always been an extrovert and had a lot of energy. Let's just like being funny. You liked people. No, I just liked having fun. You know, I liked fun. being around people who were having fun and, and I always wanted to be where the action was. That is Go awesome. On. Were yeah. you always confident in that? Because you're like, well, I'm the funny girl. So I oh, have Oh, heavens no. No, I didn't think about it in terms like that. I just thought, who doesn't want to laugh? Like, yeah. I don't know. I just thought, it, it was just the sort of language that my brothers and sisters and I 
uh, talked and that my friends did. Like, I just wanted to sit next to the person who was, you know, giving running commentary on what was happening or wanted to make jokes. And yes, this was gravity. I, I, you know, gravitate towards people. I gravitate towards happy people and people who want to like do stuff, you know, and not just sit around and I, you know, I liked to, to read and, and do art and things like that as well. But, but I'm definitely a people person and always have been. Would you say that you are a naturally optimistic person? Yes. And, you know, and this is what I say at this phase in my life. Like, life is trying to beat the optimist out of me. And there's just something in me because I've been through some rough stuff. And I just, I'm still an optimistic realist. And it's just, I, I just, I, it will not be extracted from my DNA. That is amazing. How? How? How did you become that way? Or do you feel like I don't know? It I was think I'm gift? kind of an idiot, but <laughs> <laughs> I do. I don't know. There is something in me that just, and I don't know if I'm sure it's a combination of nature and nurture, right? Like yes. you know, I I have a mom who is a hopeless optimist, and and I that's just how I see the world too. I just, I don't know. I just think things are going to work out. And even when they're so bad and they're not working out and it's yes. really bad, I think, yeah, but maybe. And but, I, maybe I don't still. know. I don't know if it's healthy mentally, but here we are. I think it's incredibly healthy mentally. And I want to be more like that. I, I, I start to think that way. And then when everything does start going wrong, then I panic and freak out. And I'm like a fainting goat. I just, I leave it. I'm like, I can't, I can't, I give up. No one needs a timeout. Right. Yes. I, I just fall over. My husband's like, get up, face the day. And I'm like, I can't, I'm laying in bed. Yeah. But I, but it is, it's, it, it, it is hard when, when, when life is hard to, you know, keep going and be happy. But I think that is such a gift. And it's such a gift to those around you too, because I really feel like people, feed off of each other's happiness and light and goodness and optimism. And it, I absolutely it agree people. with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do think that it's contagious. And I do think that there's something in acknowledging the ridiculousness in a lot of hopeless, horrible situations. Yeah. I, you know, and maybe that's, you know, where dark humor lies or I, I don't know, you know, as a coping mechanism as to take yourself not you know, so seriously, but that is, that is something that is, I, I, you know, saved me from a lot of, of desperate moments of just, you know, saying, well, you know, with a little bit of time, this is going to make a really funny story. It's not funny now, but you know, no, in, in a while it might be. In a while it might be funny and we can you look know. back on it with, with a happy perspective instead or of just like dismal. how, yeah, the ridiculousness or hilarious darkness of it. Yeah. It's just, just stating the facts. Just like that so, commercial. This is just what happened. Yes. Yes. So I'm not trying to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's go there for a minute. So your sweet husband, Christopher Clark, passed away. And how many how long has it been since? since it's been a little over 18 months, a little over 18 months. And I remember watching there was a little skit that you did with him. And it, it was I'm not sure where it was. I think it was in, in Provo. Mm-hmm. And you were both on stage and it was the anything you can do, I can do better. Yeah. So for Valentine's Day, they hail Center Theater in Orem, which was, you know, a second home for my husband. Yes. You know, he directed a lot of really great theater there. And 
And and we love that Hale Center Theater and they've employed some of our children and <laughs> yes. doing a fundraising event, you know, during difficult financial times. And they were doing like an evening of love and love songs where where these really talented singers and performers would, you know, perform these love ballads and songs. It was really sweet. And then there was us, <laughs> Christopher at the time. ALS can't move or speak and speaks with this like, you know, Stephen Hawking computer generated voice thing. And then me, I'm like, you know, I don't sing professionally. I just sing as a joke. Um, and and I remember Chris was like, I signed us up to sing for the the, the theater. <laughs> you know, the theater's done so much for us, Lisa. We have to give back. And I was like, yeah, that's great, but you can't talk. So right. thanks for that. How are we like, going to do that? He was like, don't, don't worry. I've got it all figured out. And he changed the lyrics to the song, you know, anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than you. And so then he, you know, changed it, you know, to fit his, his situation and, and kind of inside jokes that we had. And and uh, yeah, we performed that the February before he he passed away in a couple months later in in June. So, I mean, that was his state of mind towards the end of his life. It was it was ridiculous. So, it, it was it was like it's one of my favorite memories, though, that he would cause he just laughed through the whole thing. Like he missed so many cues because he was laughing so and, many. And he had to, like, move his head and push on a button, you know, coordinate. And he couldn't do it because he was laughing so hard. Yeah. You know, so, I'd be like, come on. Like, yeah, the music would be going on. Yeah, like, the music would be going. And I'd be like, and a one and a two. Nope, he missed his cue. And it's really funny. <laughs> well, it, you, you played off of each other so well. Like, I think Laurel Day was the one who posted it or was filming. And she was laughing so hard. Like, she's like, I was crying. I was laughing so was hard. Funny. She's like, it was just... And it was just the moment, like you said, like my husband has ALS, might not be with me for that much longer and and very, very difficult. And yet you're on stage singing this ridiculous, funny song on this night that's supposed to be so romantic. And you guys are there just having fun. And it was it was just like this. OK, but this is what life is about. But mm-hmm. but this is what it is. It, it was just the most. It, beautiful and real and raw moment of you can laugh through the difficult times and 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 it's okay I think to give yourself permission to do that as well oh, that yeah. you've got to and you've got to give permission to people around you to do that you know I my tendency always in our marriage was to be like hey well like should we even do this like is this safe for you and is this just going to be too hard? And his attitude always was like, I'm not going to just stay at home and cry. Like, it's just not who I am. Like, yeah, we're going to do this. It's going to be really funny. It's going to be stupid. And, and it doesn't matter. Like, yes. if he else laughs, I don't care. I think it's hilarious. Right. I was like, are people going to get this? Or are they going to be too busy, like, feeling sorry for you because you're such a cripple? You know? I- <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, I don't care. I don't care. And he really yeah. didn't. And so... I, I loved that. I miss that still. Just that encouragement, that partnership. And I'm like, of course we should do this ridiculous thing. Like, why right. would you? When else are we never do this really stupid, ridiculous thing? Just do it. Don't yes. overthink it. So. And if people are a little uncomfortable or don't know, even better. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> even better. Like, and I love that attitude. I, I'm trying to cultivate a little bit more of that instead of being, you know, always the cautious one. I know. Me too. And and I, I don't know 
I don't know where that comes from. It's like I kind of go in cycles of feeling super confident and ah, it doesn't matter. And then I start thinking, how oh, maybe I maybe I actually really do care about what people think. That's a really good point because and I especially think like in a marriage relationship, right? Like that kind of partnership, you get used to sort of habits of one who sort of pushes one way, the other who pushes the other way. You can have a good balance. You play, you fall into different roles and, yes. and things like that. And and one thing that I've discovered in trying to learn how to live without Christopher after, you know, 25 years of a really happy, healthy marriage is that you, it's like rediscovering all of that of like, well, what do you really want to be like? And you know, am I too old to change? And, you know, how do you want to adapt? And and maybe you have sort of those impulses of like, oh, maybe I'm more cautious or I'm more hesitant to do these things, but maybe I don't want to be. Maybe I should just start acting like I'm not, you know. So, you know, I think that's interesting because obviously my life circumstances have forced me to, to you know, re-identify and <laughs> calibrate yeah. all of these, like, you know, how I want to be and how I see myself in the world and, and in relationship to other people. But I think we get to do that all the time. I just think that some of us just have the luxury of not having to think about it if we don't. Of not having to do. I completely agree. And I love that, that I I read recently in a book, it's called, is it called The Five Second Rule by, I don't even know. I Can you even believe that? Mel something, Mel Robbins, The Five Second Rule. And, and it's about just being motivated. And I'm trying to get out of bed in the morning more early. And she's <laughs> helping me doing that. Five, four, three, two, one, rock it, get out of bed. And anyway, it's interesting. We're reading it for a book club, but something that she said was really interesting. She said that different situations of your life will require a different version of you and you can still be who you are at your core but there will be different times in your life where you will need to bring a different version of yourself to the situation or or you know to the table and that really made me think because sometimes mm -hmm. I thought well I shouldn't be acting this way I'm not usually this way I'm not I'm not usually more quiet or I don't usually pass up on things I'm a go-getter and I should be doing that but there are certain times in your life where you'll be required to step up more and and other times where you'll take a backseat and let someone else or maybe I'll be more assertive or maybe more creative. And and how do you think you balance that by by remaining true to who you are, the essence of of who you are, but also being able to adapt and and change when kind of life necessitates you to do that? Well, I think I've learned that in dramatic ways, right? I don't think that it's my natural inclination to maybe grow and change and show different sides of my personality sort of like on my own, but I've had to. And and sometimes in my life I've fought it and sometimes I've welcomed it. I'm sort of in a point now where I'm like, where like I think I'm getting a lot of opportunities and experiences to grow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and I just think, oh, just, like, I don't know why I thought that after my husband's death, it would slow down or that I wouldn't have any other intense experiences. I don't know what, I think it's your brain sort of like trying to calm you down. Like, <laughs> it'll, it'll, okay, you've been through the hard part of your life and now it'll, you deserve it to be smooth sailing and it hasn't been at all. And so, you know, which is fine. That's life. But but I, I think it's an interesting question. I don't know. I I, I think sometimes we set ourselves up to our, obviously we we are wired to, you know, look for comfort and and look for the easy way to do things. And yeah. And, and you know, change is hard and it's uncomfortable. And 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 I think a large part of it for me is just like you just have to sort of give up your ego, which is hard. 
Yes. You know, like of just saying, well, this is what I thought I would be like. This is what I thought my life would be like. This is how I thought I would react if this situation and just sort of accept things as they are and then go from there. And and I feel like surrounding yourself with with really good people who cheer you on no matter what phase of life you're in. And as you grow and change and instead of sort of fighting that or just encouraging you on, I think makes all the difference. There's something about that, right? Like that we think that this is a singular event and that we experience change, you know, in a vacuum all by ourselves. But really at those moments, my most difficult moments, most heart-wrenching moments, it makes sense. And I feel more encouragement to you know, have it bring out like the best version in, of me is it when I connect with those people, you know. So so really, I think I try to think less of my own ego, I guess, in this life now and more of my connections and my relationships with other people. And I feel like that feels like more doable. That feels more connected, more fun, more rewarding, more satisfying. Well, and that's why we're here to help each other get through so. those. I really I do think so. I think it's all about love and relationships. I and I know how hippy dippy that sounds and I believe it all. So you know. I do too. I I believe it completely. And and I think the more trials I go through and and successes, the more and and wonderful experiences, the more I appreciate those around me to experience those ups and downs with mm-hmm. me. I'm so grateful. To have people I love and trust that can experience the good and the bad with me and and be a witness to my life and and what I'm going through. I love that you said as a witness, because I do think that people just need to witness like what you've been through and it helps you to feel less left alone. They don't have to experience it the same way that you do. I don't right. think that's even possible, but just that they witness that they were there for that is something significant that maybe I took for granted earlier on in my life. I don't know. It is very powerful. It is. And as a mother, watching my children go through trials and difficult things, I mean, I I had no idea. Like, it's like, give me anything. But watching my children struggle oh, yeah. and go through, that puts, well, and, and it changed my, re, it's changed my relationship with, with my Heavenly Father, mm-hmm. thinking, okay, if I feel this way about my children, you must feel this way about me. And that gives me comfort too, knowing, oh, you do know what I'm going through and, and you understand. And this is maybe hard for you to watch me go through this too. And, and the love that you have for me is so much more powerful than the love I have for my children watching them go through. And I'm always oh, yeah. a, balance, a balance of that. Let me take it away. Let me help you. And, 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 and then again, just watching and witnessing and being like, oh, you can get through this. Well, and we can't. We can't take that away from our I know kids. we can't. It's true. And that's one of the most frustrating parts, I think, of motherhood, you know, yeah. is is that you, like I always tell my kids, I joke with them, I'm like, I have read a lot of articles. Like, I know a lot of them. I, I love you more than <laughs> you know. Yes. So if you just did what I said, like, I have your best interest in heart. I know you better than you think I do. I, you know, I'm a best trust me. And again, those articles, I've read a lot of them. So just do what I say. And they look at me like, oh my gosh, you're crazy. Yep. And yes, I am crazy. But it, I, you know, I've launched three kids right out in yes. the world and, you know, they're legal adults. <laughs> I call them baby adults because they have still have so much to learn. What are their ages right now? So my oldest three are um, 23, almost 24, 22 and 18. I mean, oh. 19, she just turned 19. Oh, my gosh. And it's just 
launching kids, oh. whatever that means. Yeah. I mean, it means so many things, right? Yeah. It's so much harder than I thought it was going to be and so different than it was, you know, relationship wise, like with my parents, that it's really been difficult. And and so I appreciate what you just said, too, about recognizing that the love that our Heavenly Father has, you know, for us, the way that we felt that, that they feel that for our kids, too. And that yes. that there are things that they have to experience on themselves. In fact, most things. Oh, and, and I get to be involved. I get to witness it if I want to be a part of that, but I don't get to control it. I know. And not I have a little influence. Hard. Before I thought I had all the influence and now yeah. I'm like, I hope I have some. I hope I know. I know. I hope. And I'm just getting to that stage. So I'm a little behind you. My oldest is 13. And just now I'm like, hmm, Satan's plan sounds kind of good. Like, let's force you to do what's right. That why why didn't we go with that? I would love to have forced my children. Good or bad. Yeah. It's yes. just it's it's really uh yeah, interesting agency. And I think it just goes back to that relationship of yes. good or bad, whatever they choose, do they want to tell you about it? And you know, will they come to you when they need help or when they're excited? or when they want to celebrate, or will they just want to get away from you? And yep. and I think that's, you know, hard to sort of, uh, I don't know, like consider because it is developmentally like appropriate for them to separate themselves from their parents, right? Yes. And, and to try things out on their own. And, and, and there's certainly a point where they need to establish a distance, you know, in the teenage years. And and again, there are developmental reasons for this, but being able to, you know, play the long game, which is motherhood. Yeah. And just be that safe place for them to come back to. It's, it's hard. It's so hard. So, so you've had the opportunity to play a mother in, in once I was a beehive and once I was engaged, Carrie Carrington, as well as the chat book mom. So how do you relate? Let's go with Carrie first. Okay. Does your motherhood style in any way, shape, or form relate to or represent Carrie's? And for those of you who haven't seen, yeah. it, maybe explain Carrie's character in in these shows and 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 who she is. And she's hilarious, by the way. And if you haven't seen them, oh, thank you. you have to watch them. <laughs> I love Carrie Carrington. <laughs> I have deep love and admiration for her, although I do not parent like Carrie Carrington. <laughs> But for those who are unfamiliar with this character, she's just super intense. Yeah. She has put all of her talent and energy and focus into motherhood. And she is confident that her way is the right way. And she's hyper vigilant and she will do anything, beg, borrow and steal and ask for favors from other people, whether it's socially appropriate or not, in order to benefit her own <laughs> children. And so my hat's off to her. And I salute her. <laughs> yes, but not not quite. I your don't have the level of energy, sustained energy that she has. Oh. Although I have like the enthusiasm and passion for my children. But um, yeah, you know, it, it's funny playing a character like that. I always joke that I'm just playing a heightened version of my sister, Gina, who it, I love. And, you know, she's just that like my awesome. best friend. And I love Gina, but she's just got it more together than anyone else. You know yeah. what I mean? And like, she's the mom that just, no. And yeah. that's so funny. I'm the older sister. She loves to tell everyone, but she's the one who's in charge, right? She's oh, the one that we all listen to as like the authority. She speaks like she's got a lot of authority, like Carrie Carrington. And 
that. But I know a lot of women like this and I respect them. I'm not like that in, but a little bit I am. Yes. Yeah. Right. Maybe a tiny bit, but not, not completely. That's funny that it's your younger sister that is that way. Well, in your family done like if you need something done like if you were going to put on a wedding in two weeks and you were like oh no what i my first call would be gina you know what i mean and and yep. so it's that carrie carrington that one that you're like well you know who'll get it done you know yes good ideas you know who's already thought about this yes who has connections you know it's that carrie. person that you call uh -huh. her yep and every neighborhood and every ward we have some carries in our ward that i'm like okay i know who to call and you know our lives wouldn't function without them so no, of course them. not yeah no. it's not yeah it's 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 not a like oh we're making fun of them it's like well i see you yes it's a lot but i see but you. i'm i'm sure grateful for it yeah, yeah. i'm sure grateful yeah. for the carries in my life for sure Definitely. so does your chat book mom have a name we the always just mom. called her the real mom real mom Real mom, real mom, okay. a real mom, real mom. And this, this is who I deeply relate to. Right. <laughs> this is me not acting. <laughs> this is me going into an audition going, I subscribe to chat books for this very reason. I have five kids. I'm really tired. Here's my audition. Here's my audition. And they're like, you are, the, you are. The it's so funny. You know, I met, um, so chat books is owned by Nate and Vanessa Quigley. And I met Vanessa, she's a mother of seven, on set when I was in the bathtub. So I'm in this bathtub, you know, doing the opening scene with all my clothes on, yes. getting in and out. And there's like this pulley system that like, so I could stand up really fast. And I have bubbles everywhere and they have to keep making more bubbles. And I'm getting in and out of this bathtub. This is exactly how you want to meet somebody, right? Right. Yeah. And Vanessa, you know, I was like, oh, the owner of the company wants to come say hi. And she came over to me and just, and she's like, I want to meet you. I saw your audition. And I just thought, I just want you to know this chatbox mom is me. And I said, oh. no, this chatbox mom is me, you know, and we just kind of bonded instantly. And actually we're really good friends to this day, like legitimate friends, because I do feel like, and that's the, one of the reasons why. It just was such an inviting sort of, you know, ad is because so many people can relate and go, yep, it's not a perfect, polished version, but it's real. Yes, it's real. And we love and our kids, but we're overwhelmed. Yes. Yep. And that, honestly, so I have four boys and ages six to 13 right now. And I mean, everything from the kid <laughs> jumping off the roof, like, yep. Oh yeah. My kids have jumped up balconies. They're crashing into things. There's holes in all my walls. Yep. I mean, it's insanity. In fact, just the other day we found a new hole in my basement wall. Oh, and I'm like, what is this from? It's not opportunity to grow. Yep. Right. Yes. <laughs> and they're like, oh, well, we were riding our hoverboards. And my six-year-old said, Look, I can crash it into the wall and it doesn't even make a hole. Boom. Oh, it does make a hole. Never mind. <laughs> and they just keep going. That's how we get the hole. Oh, that's amazing. So I'm always like, I want to keep a nice house. And I, and I have to remind myself, though, I'm not raising a home. I'm raising my children. Yeah. And I want my home to be nice. But yeah, it'll be nice one day. It'll be nice someday. And there are many holes. And, and no we problem. get... We, my son set the reptile lamp on the carpet the other day and burned the hole through nice. the carpet in uh, and and so much so it burned through the sub layers and mm -hmm. then um, bubbled through my kitchen ceiling. <gasps> so yes, oh, and yep, and he just wanted to hold the lizard and forgot yes. to ask me to take the heat lamp off, so he just set it on the carpet, started on fire. So this is like daily basis yeah. at our home, just like it. It's all just wild. Yeah, and crazy. How could you ever? 
be like if somebody was saying my my best friend just became a grandma, right? So oh. so her daughter who I've watched grow up, who, you know, I've known her whole life, just had a baby. And it's like you look at this new, fresh-faced mother who's so excited and oh. love that this is newborn. And, you know, it's like they look up and say, like, I'm so excited to be mom. What's it going to be like? There's no way for us to properly say, okay, so there's going to be this time where they want to hold a blizzard and <laughs> take this lamp out. And it's going to, and you're going to be at your wit's end. Like, you, and, you can't. It's not even like... You can't. And that's what's so funny about motherhood, right? Like you can't explain no. in fullness no. what that experience is. It just depends on the day and when you ask, right? Yes, exactly. It, it, it's not, it, there's no metaphor that completely encapsulates. Yes, no. Experience. Because how could you ever just, you know, like some of the conversations I've had with my kids, like if oh. you would have told me, I would have just been like, wait, what? Oh my goodness. And this is, this is probably completely inappropriate, but totally. We had to have, we had to have a wiener aware conversation because I have four boys and they are naked all the time. Of course. And I'm like, listen to me, you cannot bend over while I'm folding laundry to get your pair of underwear over my face. You have to be wiener aware. And my husband was like, good. That's I good cannot believe that I'll have. Everyone should have that policy. Everyone needs to be wiener aware. Universal standard. The universal. And stand at the top of the <laughs> stairs and yell for me to throw up their towel where, you know, everything's just out, just out there. And I'm like, boys, <sighs> like I'm the only girl, please. Everyone be aware. a little space. Yes, I just yep. can't. I just, some days I just can't see another one. So just please cover up. So, but I'm like, I oh. never would have thought like, who knows no. that would ever be even a phrase I would utter. Nope. Teaching my children to be wiener aware. I, I just I would never, never think that. It. And there's just so many experiences like that. Yes, and, uh, yeah, there is. Open to it. Like, well, here we are. And this here is my life. Are. Yep. This is my life. And, and, and so it's so rich and rewarding. The, the, the lowest of lows and the highest of highs. And you just have to experience. And you do. My, when my sweet sister became a mom, same thing. I just looked at her like, oh, if you only knew. And 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 you can't know because people would probably never ever even attempt it. Like, how well, am I don't going want to rob them the excitement and wonder no. too? Because I do realize that you know we all have different sort of mothering styles and yes. relationships and kids and and so if you try to have too many expectations of like, well, our my family will do this. Like, I really wanted a family band. I just thought, oh. Know, my late husband and I are both super musical. Yes. And I was like, and I will pay for piano lessons and we're going to have a family band. And now it's the family joke because I got a bunch of jokesters <laughs> instead of a bunch of musicians. Yeah, they can all play music and they love to play music. Will they all play together to give me the one thing I want? No, they won't. Of course not. that's who they are. And yes. so now it's like, mom, stop trying to make the family band a thing. It's not going to be a thing. We're not going to have family. Oh, with Jenny Oaks Baker, family oh, four. I, I, I'm not giving up. I'm just saying I thought it would be an inevitability. And instead, it's a joke. No, I, I've, I've had dreams of that, too. And my boys have tried practicing together. And I'm like, never mind. That's OK. Yeah. Our talents will be <laughs> something else. That's all right. We'll do something hard. else together. We'll do something else. Five, six, It'll seven, eight. Yeah. Yes. I try to trick them all the time. Just start singing up here. <laughs> yes. Yep. They're like, it's not happening, mom. Yep. And with and I'm always that way. Like I uh, practicing the violin 
was like, I, I don't know how many times I've been bonked on the head by his bow. Like, yeah. stop it. Stop talking. Don't, don't. And I'm like, no, listen, it's just. Ah, nah. And I'm trying to, you know, and he's like, mom, I'm like, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help it's you. It's just please. so ridiculous. And we never learn, you know. No, and why do we care so much? I don't know. I don't because know. I, I tell my kids, though. You know, like, I just, I know you're looking at me like, just stop. And I can't. And I no. won't. And I won't. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, I know that this is cringy or whatever, but I don't care. I know. And, and that is motherhood. And there, and that is motherhood. That is period. Yep. I can't stop and I won't. Do you know what? One of my very favorite songs. Do you know who Lauren Daigle is? Oh, yeah. I, I love her. I got to interview her once. What? Starstruck. Yeah, oh. she performed at Christmas Under the Stars. Yes. Yeah, I really like her a lot. She has a song called Rescue. And I know. Oh, it's, it's so good. It is so good. And and when my when my teenagers are, Mom, why? And stop doing that and stop. And 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 I'm like, but I'm going to do this because I love you and I'm gonna push you in ways you don't want me to, and walking that fine line of helping them sort out their lives and backing up and letting them fail. And it makes me emotional. That song, I will send out an army to find you in the middle of the darkest night. It's true. I'll rescue you. And I sing that to my teenager at night and I make him. It's like the I will love you forever where she's making, yes. holding him like sit in my lap. And he's like, mom, no, mom, come on. And I'm rocking him. And he's and I know he's like on the inside. And I sing that to him. So when we've had like a hard day and it's just been really difficult. Sometimes I'll just sing him that song. It's like, oh, I am so sweet. Like no matter what, I will rescue you. And that is also motherhood of I'm failing, I'm failing, I'm failing. But no matter what, I'm still here. I'm Yeah. Oh, I love that. I just tell my kids, I'm the old lady now. So come and rock me. <laughs> come rock me. Oh, that's You're like, you need to be held now. <laughs> oh so Lisa how do you uh, in motherhood and in all and all aspects of life with your trials and everything you've been through how has humor rescued you how has humor helped you and and does it come naturally to you or are you like it's easy for me to be funny or do you kind of think oh well, oh I don't think I'm funny I just think I am a, a truth speaker <laughs> I really like say it I like think, it is. I think so many yeah weird things have happened to me and like I will just say this you guys will never guess what happened to me and I'll just say it and I'm not trying to say joke it's just ridiculous so I don't know I I, I like to hang out with funny people I have friends who are so funny and Christopher was the funniest person I ever met and when we were dating like my cheeks and my stomach hurt so bad because I was laughing so hard. Oh, isn't that the best? That's when Brad and I. Best feeling. It's the best feeling. That was our first date. My mom said, "How was it?" And I said, "My stomach hurts. I, I, I my stomach hurts from laughing so hard." And that's when I knew, oh, he's different because he makes me laugh so hard. I want to throw up. <laughs> yeah, I and love that's it. a great feeling. And so I just think I've I've found a lot of, I just try to collect funny people to be around, and then I just laugh at them and then it makes me feel funny. No, but it, it's it's like know your audience, right, too. I, I, I feel like my kids want to laugh. The people I'm with don't take themselves seriously, so they want to laugh. I, you know, I, I, I do feel like for lots and lots of reasons, both serious and genuine and ridiculous and stupid reasons, we all just take ourselves way too seriously, right? Yes. And, and I feel like 
you know, there's maybe two or three things that you should never make fun of, but everything else is open game, you know, and I do think that you need to know, you know, there's a time and place and all of that kind of stuff. But sometimes there's things that, you know, I've certainly experienced a lot over the last, you know, six years. That is not funny. And, and so I appreciate the times where I just have, you know, can like let loose and find something funny and, and maybe it just seems a little bit funnier because of the contrast. I just think that this is a common theme when I talk to a lot of people, and, and especially because of COVID and and the political climate, people are taking, you know, serious things seriously as they should be. Mm-hmm. But we, we've lost sort of a balance and a perspective. And I think it's, the pendulum has swung a little bit for, farther one way than is, than is necessarily healthy. And so I do think that people are, 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 are looking to be like that. And so I look for like-minded people to to hang out with and that's the kind of life I want to create you know I I want to hang out with yep and and you have and and that funny and optimistic and bright spirit shines through everything that you do and it 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 does I agree with you oh, that when- thanks. I don't know if that's yeah I don't know if I'm always I always feel that but I appreciate hearing that so thank you. well and and I don't I think it's I mean it, it you wouldn't be human if you never felt like you said the contrast and, and the dark but I think because of that you're like I am able to laugh I am able to be happy I I am a firm believer that the bigger trials we have and the lower we go it's like for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction we are able mm-hmm. then to feel the opposite higher highs, brighter brights, funnier. We're able to to go higher. The lower we go, we're able to, it's like pulling back a rubber band. It, mm-hmm. When it's stretched almost mm-hmm. to its brink, look how much further it can go versus someone that kind of goes along life and never really has anything bad or sad or hard or happy happen to them. I they they don't know. I think that's wise. And I think that Sometimes when you are in your lows of lowest of lows and in those dark places, there's this weird sense of loyalty of this is where I live now. This is who I am now. And, and I think that that's a dangerous place to be. And I think, again, this is where like good friends, you know, therapists, medication if needed, you know, like a a combination of, so you don't get stuck, you know? And so that's something that I, that I think a lot about of just, you know, going through difficult times and and doing things that maybe I don't feel like doing because I have a hope that it will help me not be stuck. I don't want to get stuck in that place. I realize that it's part of life. It's a necessary part of life. It's not to be, you know, you've got to feel your feelings. You got to deal with your stuff. You got to work through it. You can't just ignore it. But you also don't need to get stuck there and have like loyalty to that. You know, I am a dark, you know, deep, you know, mysterious tortured widow you know what I mean like yes like yeah I mean that's part of who I am now but it doesn't need to be it's not where I want to live all the time right you can the only thing Mm -hmm. exactly you can you can have that and that is part of you and that is who you are but now you have that even brighter contrast of of the happy optimistic and hopeful because you've experienced that as well you can have both and what would you say Lisa to someone that's maybe that's maybe still in that and may, and maybe you are too but someone that is going through a really difficult dark trying time what have you learned in your life and you talked a little bit about 
surrounding yourself with friends and, and, and medication, which I'm also a big fan of if you need it, and therapy, what would you say, here's what's helped me and, and here's some hope for you? Well, first, the first thing that I would say to somebody who's going through a rough time is, I'm sorry. Like just to sit in it and I would want to know the details because sometimes speaking them out loud either makes them sound ridiculous and funny or just less scary and more manageable. And so I would encourage because for such a long time, I would just hold it in because I think I don't want to tell him or her what I really think because it's so awful and I don't want to feel a fraction of what I feel right now. It's too much. It's too heavy. It's too dark or whatever. But but that's not true. So I would, I would want to listen to that and, and just to sort of witness that. And then I would want to remind them that no feeling lasts forever and that you won't always feel like this. And I think that that kind of hope is really powerful and just acknowledging, you know, because I've had, you know, panic attacks and I've had horrible moments and things like that. And, and the, the feeling of trying to like, you know, suppress it is so damaging, although it's such a fight or flight like response that your brain yeah. is trying to protect you. Just feel it. Have a good cry, whatever you need to do. You won't always feel like that. And then you'll feel something else because life is a lot of different feelings. And I think that makes the recovery a little bit better. You know, it doesn't ruin your day. You just know you're going to have your moments. You know, you can spend 10 to 15 minutes a day feeling sorry for yourself, feeling horrible, and then go do something else, too. I think another thing that helped me is like really just like, uh, you know, good habits, getting time, making my bed, you know, feeling sunshine on my face, exercising, eating right, drinking enough water, like all those dumb basics of just good, healthy living that we're trying to teach our kids. Like, I just have a huge testimony of that. Like, so you don't feel great. Well, don't make it worse by like making it worse, you know, right. If you're good habits. You won't feel like this forever. You'll work through it, you know, and that, that there will be other moments. I think sometimes when you're in a super dark place, there's a tendency to say that, like, I will always feel like this. Now this is my new life. You know, like there, it, like it's a comfort almost. Yeah. Like I have to, you know, in order to survive this, I've got to learn how to carry it. So let me just yeah. lean in. And one thing about horrible, shocking, you know, life and death, rare things that have happened to me and my family and the life have taught me is, is that stranger things can happen on the other side. So when I'm like, you know, there were a few months, especially soon after Chris's death, where I, I was like, this is really weird. I don't feel any hope that I'll ever feel any better. Like, and and I am a very hopeful person by nature. Yes. So this was a very weird place for me to be in. And I actually studied hope. I have a sister-in-law who gave me these books on hope. And I was oh. like, I am looking at this in a different way. And kind of the conclusion I came to that got me out of that place was, you know, not what I thought it was going to be. It was a very logical sort of process in that I thought, I didn't see any of this horrible stuff coming. So... I can't predict the future. That proves it. So is it possible that I could be happy in the future? Is it possible that some, you know, something could change that I can't even think of now that I could live a happy life? Yeah, like logically that has to be true because the converse was true. Oh, and that's so interesting. interesting. <laughs> Isn't that and funny? That, yes. Some, um, you know, I, I I tried other things. 
I tried everything. And that's the thing that like calmed my brain down to say, you don't know, and just enjoy life and as much as you can and enjoy those moments. And the horrible moments are going to come, but also the good moments are going to come. And just be more of a curious observer instead of trying to like plan out a course or plan yes. out of your life and try to make patterns and try to make it more, you know, try it, stop trying to control it and right. just try to train your brain to look for the more positive things and see what happens. I love that so much. I know that sounds so weird. No, it, it's not a well formed out thought, but in my brain, it makes sense. It totally makes sense. Like you, you couldn't have predicted feeling this bad. So that means that not even being able to imagine being happy. Well, you might not be able to predict how happy you'll be in the future. You don't know. So you don't know. Literally you know. anything could happen. Anything could happen. great and horrible. So just <laughs> stop true. trying to control everything and just, you know, the thing, and, and this goes back to like our earlier conversation. I did find out that the thing that I did have the most, seemed the most productive or that I did have control on was the kind of relationships that I had, you know, yes. who I would reach out to, what kind of conversations I would have, what relationship I would have with my children, how I could be there for them or not be there. All those choices seemed a little bit bigger. Yes. Oh my goodness. Well, if you, if you could do one thing this year that you feel like, okay, this is going to do a lot of good. I feel like for, for you or for your family or the community or something, what's something you want to do this year that you, that you're like, oh, that, that makes me feel really good or, or really happy. Or this is something that I really want to contribute this year. What would that be? I I think that I have learned, you know, because I'm a big goal maker and goal getter and list maker and all that stuff. And, and that has caused me a little bit of uh, friction as of late. So I, I really think that my focus is to not get stuck, you know? Oh, yeah. I, and, and, and that's how I frame it in my brain of, you know, keep yourself open to new opportunities, new relationships changing relationships, especially with my kids, you know, as they get older, yeah. relationship changes and I need to. And if I could be open to that and to friendships, because people change all the time, then I feel like that would, I, I could, you know, contribute more to that because then I'm serving something real instead of something theoretical, you know, yeah. instead of a list instead of a goal. If I'm really like connecting with people and helping them, especially my kids and my dear friends, then I feel like, oh, that's, that's where it's at. That's what's worth it. I love that. And I completely agree. And I think those connections, they are what make life so good. And and what make you such a real and authentic person that when people are around you, they are getting the best of you. They're getting your love and and your light and your humor and all the wonderful things about you that makes people want to be around you too. And oh. and so tell us, Lisa, where people your podcast is launching again in just a couple of weeks. So tell people yeah. where they kind of a little bit about what that's about and where they can go to listen to that. Yeah, thanks. So the Lisa show, we used to do a daily two-hour morning live show, you know, bringing lots of different kinds of conversations and yes. different sorts of interviews. And we've really listened to the audience and, and what people 
are, are looking for right now. And we've, we've changed it to really double down into this idea, honestly, of, about connections and, and, and cutting away and kind of sifting through all the information that's telling us, you know, how to be better and live our best lives and have our best families and best marriages and, you know, whatever it is. And we kind of sift through that information and bring a weekly podcast that gets to the heart of the matter. So the Lisa show starting and launching on February 8th, and you can just download our app, the BYU radio, and you can subscribe to the Lisa show. And then, you know, then you don't have to think about it wherever you you get your and wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. And we will bring you conversations that matter that like really connect you so that, you know, it's this idea of like, we're all in this together. We're all trying our best and we're failing and we're succeeding. And it's kind of ridiculous, right? And so come listen for an hour, laugh, get some good ideas that can help you. And let's just, you know, you know, we're all, you know, making it up as we go. <laughs> yeah. Nobody yep. has the script. No. Nope. And it's okay. And, and, and so I love this idea. So, so we've, you know, been recording and all these different conversations because I really just believe very passionately, like when you really want to know something, yeah, you know, you Google a couple of articles or whatever, but, but you talk to your friends, right? And you're yes. like, only how do you do this? Yes. And you rely on that, like, extreme honesty and vulnerability. And I've invited people on the show to have these kinds of conversations that are willing to do just that. And so I am so excited about that February 8th launch. I I really hope people will come and like find a community where it's like their safe place to feel like more encouraged and more connected. And because I really feel like we all need that right now. I think we need that more than ever. And to know we're all in this together and nobody does have it figured out, but, but together, we can figure things we out. We're trying. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah. Exactly. Oh, that is ex- so exciting. Well, thank you so much, Lisa, for taking the time oh, to come on my beautiful. podcast today. And I cannot wait to listen to the Lisa show. And for those of you who haven't seen the Once I Was a Beehive or Once I Was Engaged, those are the most, honestly, like the most <laughs> darling and thank sweet. You. Like they're funny, but they have a really incredible message too with those shows. So they're so wonderful. So anyway, Lisa, I'm just, I, I could talk to you for hours and hours. So thank you for taking the time and to come on the show and for all the good you are doing. Thanks for listening to this episode of Doing Good with Carmen Herbert. If you'd like to hear more from Carmen and get brand new full-length talks that you can't get anywhere else from some of your favorite speakers like John By the Way, Meg Johnson, and Hank Smith, you can exclusively inside our Turtle House. And when you join today, you can get two months free when you sign up for an annual plan. Just go to OurTurtleHouse.com to get started. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you back here for another episode next week.